the churches in Galatia were in crisis. They were having a complete and total meltdown. Like many of the other churches that St. Paul started, the churches in Galatia were made up of two different kinds of people. You had a group of Jews, people who kept the Torah or the law, and you had a group of Gentiles, non-Jews who did not. And the community had to figure out what to do with these Gentile newcomers. If you're a Gentile, someone who wasn't part of the prior covenant, what do you have to do to become part of this community? And Paul's answer was basically this. If you're a non-Jew and you want to become part of this community, you don't have to become Jewish. When you're baptized, you're brought into Jesus Christ, so you become part of the community. And everyone pretty much agreed that that seemed like a reasonable way to do things. And that system worked pretty well until Paul left and a different group of teachers showed up and said, whoa, 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 this is not going to work at all. If you're a non-Jew who wants to be part of this community, you have to convert to Judaism first. And the Galatians, who seemed to believe the last thing they heard, just kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, yeah, that makes sense. So the letter to Galatians, which we heard a few minutes ago, is Paul's response, and it is heated. In one section, he calls the Galatians a bunch of idiots, so it's not super diplomatic. But you can understand why he's so worked up about this. God's created a new community, new relationships, new partnerships. There's a group of people who've been brought into relationship with God in a new way through Jesus and instead of marveling at what God has done, this group of people say, well, this can't possibly be right. We can't just open this up to everybody. We need to put some terms and conditions around this. That's what starts the argument. And it's important to note exactly what the argument is over. It's very easy to read today's text and think that the argument is about how Jewish the church should be. There's a strain of frankly very stupid thinking that thinks that what Paul is saying is that the church needs to be less Jewish. Judaism is old and obsolete, and Jesus made it irrelevant. That's really not what Paul is saying, and that's very dangerous territory to go into. In fact, the letter wasn't even written to Jewish believers, it's written to Gentiles. What he's saying is you don't have to convert before you can be brought into relationship with God. That seems like a minor difference, but it's super, super important. So if the argument isn't about Judaism, if it's not about how Jewish the church is going to be, then what is it actually all about? It's really all about how gospel-centered this church is going to be. The argument is not Christianity versus Judaism. It's about whether there should be conditions placed around the gospel. Whether you have to meet a certain set of standards, believe the right things, say the right words, make the right confession of faith, for you to be loved, accepted, and nurtured by God. The Galatians think you do. You have to become a member of this community to be reconciled to God. And Paul says it's the exact opposite of that. You've been reconciled to God, and so you're automatically a part of this community. Why does Paul get so worked up about that difference? A conditional gospel, a gospel that's contingent on your actions, a gospel that's predicated on your beliefs really isn't a gospel at all. It's just more demands, more boxes to check, more stuff you have to do. 
Imagine, for example, the last time you were at a wedding, and the couple was exchanging vows, the promise that's at the center of the ceremony, and one person a promise to love, honor, and cherish the other until death do them part. And the other person said the same thing and then added, as long as you use headphones whenever you listen to music I don't like and give me back rubs whenever I ask for them. You think, well, this really isn't a vow, this is really more of a negotiation you're having. If you do this for me, then I'll do this thing for you. And that's basically what the Galatians have done. They turned the gospel into a negotiation. If you get in the right position or say the right words, then God will actually love you. And here's why that irks Paul so much. Because in every other aspect of our lives, we deal in exchanges and transactions. Sometimes those exchanges are explicit. You sign a contract, you make an agreement. And sometimes those exchanges are just kind of inferred. Let me give you an example of that. In 1991, the French philosopher Jacques Derrida wrote a book called The Gift of Death. And what he was trying to parse out was what happens when we give someone a gift. What are we actually doing? And his argument is basically that gifts create debts and obligations between people. When you give someone a gift, you expect something in return, even if it's just an acknowledgement. So when we give a gift, we put a demand on this other person that they respond to us in some way. And if they don't respond in a way that we like, chances are we're not going to keep on giving them gifts. If that sounds super abstract, think about how often we invite someone to an event because they invited us to their event and we're keeping score in our heads to make sure we're even. Or we do someone a favor because we know that later on we can ask them to do us a favor. Or just because I did this this week, whenever we give organizations money from our endowment, they get a letter from me saying, we just want to give you money because what you do is so great. And then about a week later, they get an email from me that says, you know, I was just thinking, could you come to Advent and kind of talk about what you do? And they all do, of course, because they get it. It's an exchange. When we give something to others, that giving is always tied up in our own expectations of getting something back. So the gifts that we give are not true gifts because they're never given completely freely. They always come with some kind of terms and conditions on them. But the gospel is different. And it's different because the one who gives it, which is God, expects nothing in return. It's a pure gift. God gives not out of compulsion or self-interest, but out of love. God's free to give without holding back or calculating what will be given in return. And God doesn't stop giving when people don't respond the way that God wants. So the gift doesn't have any strings attached to it. It doesn't come with an expectation. It doesn't even require an acknowledgement. It's unconditional. And that's what's really at the heart of today's reading from Galatians. When the Galatians start putting up a bunch of conditions around the gospel, when they start saying you have to think like this or behave a certain way or say these words, they're compromising the very gift of the gospel. The Galatians have taken the one true gift, one thing in life you can receive without conditions, and they've turned it into an obligation. Now, obviously, we don't have arguments about how Gentiles enter the community anymore, but we still think like Galatians. We take the gospel and we turn it into an obligation so we feel like we're contributing something. 
We say that God gives and acts freely, and then we come up with a bunch of rules and regulations for how to receive the gift the right way. Let me give you an example of that. Sometimes when people hear that we celebrate open table at communion, that everyone who comes to the table is invited to receive, they assume it's because we don't care, that we're just being lax or laid back or something, and that we're somehow cheapening the Eucharist in the process. It's actually the exact opposite of that. We celebrate open table because we do care. We care that the Eucharist is a gift, and if you make it depend on whatever arbitrary standard you come up with, whether you're part of the right denomination, whether you understand the sacrament enough, whatever that means, it no longer becomes a gift. It becomes a test. It becomes an obligation. That's how you cheapen the Eucharist. That's how you cheapen the gospel. God gives you a gift, and you say, no, actually, I've earned that. That's what St. Paul means when he writes that for freedom, Christ has set us free. Which means that the church, this community formed around word and sacrament, should be the one place where you don't have to justify your existence. It doesn't matter what you look like, what language you speak, who you love, where you live, where you come from, what you've been through, whatever your marital, legal, employment, housing status is, or whatever other arbitrary reason we use to keep people out or to tell ourselves that we belong. We never have to justify our place at the table because in Jesus, God has already done that for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.